Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand just a little more about how the other side thinks. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Skyway's team of former contracting officers and industry pros will make you more prepared, more competitive, and more effective in the government market. To learn more, visit skywaymember.com. Our topic today veers a little off the usual what's in this part of the FAR kind of conversation. Kevin and I got into a little debate about the difference between lucky versus good when it comes to winning government contracts. We decided to make a pretty good topic for a podcast, so let's get started. We should really define what, we're, what we mean when we say luck here. It's not luck in terms of, of you know, the pot of, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow leprechaun on St. Patty's Day stuff. It's exceptional circumstances. For example, it, it can be timing. The timing and when things happen, that's that's the luck part because you can't control what's going to happen at certain times outside of your life and business, et cetera. Okay, so we'll link lucky to to the exceptional circumstances, one of which could be timing. There you go. What about, what about good? What do you mean by good? It is do you have exceptional skills? Do you have exceptional capabilities? Do you, do you spend the time to be really good at what you do? And so that that's easier to understand. And we're going to talk about this in terms of business, but this applies everywhere. The lucky and good thing applies everywhere. You want to be both <laughs> lucky and good. That's how you get the top level achievement in anything. And I got to say, I don't actually believe in luck. I believe that it's hard work overlapping with good timing that gets you there. And it might look like luck from the outside, but there's a lot of preparation required to be able to take advantage of that luck. If you have the best ideas and the most efficient company in the world, but the market isn't ready for your product yet, your company's going nowhere. Does that make sense? It does. If the timing's off, you don't feel lucky. And if the timing is perfect, it can be perceived as blind luck. And it's not because it's a combination of those. So let's pull this back to the government market. The government market is cyclical. That's the timing piece. Sometimes the government is spending lots of money. Sometimes it's not spending so much money. It goes up and down. And the bar for what's good, good enough to win government business, goes up and down as the market moves up and down. When there's a lot of money flowing out of the government, you don't have to be quite as good to win the work. When the government stops spending as much money, only the strong survive. So then the question to answer is is a contractor's success based on exceptional timing or luck or their exceptional skills, or is it both? Before we get deeper into that, let's say thanks. I want to say thanks to Nicole Tripodi. She is a government business development and capture professional. And what's interesting for that is that she has been very active on LinkedIn. I want to thank her for specifically for her podcast feedback. We had a podcast feedback session, and she was really detailed, and from her perspective as a business developer, how she uses the podcast. And again, we get so much better when you all tell us what we're doing well and not so well. So thanks for taking the time to explain to me what we do well. So thank you very much, Nicole. All right, back to lucky versus good. We're talking about lucky as being exceptional circumstances, and there's lots of ways to think about what are those circumstances. But timely is what we're focusing on here. You know, what's going on in the greater world at the time? 
is it lucky that there's a war going on? That doesn't sound like luck, right? It's more like timing. Yeah. Right. So after 9-11, when there were federal spending increased from 2003 all the way through 2012 when the fiscal cliff kicked in, right? And so between 9-11 and the Department of Homeland Security being stood up and the, and the Transportation Security Administration and, and, and a lot of services, lots of services were being bought in support of all these different activities. And then the Great Recession hit in 2009. So then the government was was probably the biggest spender because the economy was was not doing so well. And so contractors were flourishing, even small businesses. And an interesting way to look at this is the commercial and government markets will often offset each other. And so the example here is the Great Recession hits and the government happens to be spending. So the companies who were in the government market flourished when in the commercial market, there was a whole lot of the opposite of flourishing happening. And for, for example, I remember reading in, I think it was in Forbes in 2010, no, I'm sorry, it was in Inc. Magazine in 2010, something like 30% of the Inc. 500 list were government contractors. And so one could say that the timing for them was really good. And you could call that luck, but it's, it's timing. Right, it's ride like the, the market, wave. Yeah, the market was hot. Right, the market was hot because we had entered into a new era of conflict. We invaded Iraq. And to support all those activities overseas, suddenly there was a huge demand for things like translation and linguist services. We had lots of people overseas dealing with lots of foreign countries, lots of foreign languages. Over time, the need for linguist services decreased. So there were companies springing up out of the woodwork to provide translation services. If you could hire multilingual people, you could get a contract for translation linguist services at the time. There, there was such a demand, it was not hard to get business. If you banked your entire future on providing translation and linguist services, when the need for that decreased, suddenly you have to be much more competitive. There's still a need for translation services out there, but only the most efficient companies that provide the best service are still in business doing that because there's not a demand. And that's what I mean by the bar for what's good enough, moving with the demand. Now that there's not so much demand, you have to be a lot better to win that work. Yeah, and, and we all see this play out in the commercial market a lot. Uh, you know, everything from automobiles to, to internet providers to website developers, you look at the, the, the ebb and flow of this in the commercial market. And it's important to understand that it happens in the government market too, just like you described. The companies who effectively manage the, the block and tackling of the business during the good times are the ones that are still around, that succeed when the times get lean. And, and they're very good at things like targeting and forecasting what's, what's the government going to be doing with this. They're aware of the fact that, hey, there's a cliff coming. Uh, they're diversified you know, within reason. You, gotta, you know, don't suddenly decide you're going to do everything. And they're building really strong past performance. I mean, really targeted, well-documented, which we just did an episode about past performance, the documented past performance so they can use it in future opportunities. Right. And if they're not efficient as a business at the same time, doing all those things, you know, forecasting, targeting, being diversified so you're not strictly dependent on doing one thing for the government, having that past performance. If you're not efficient as a business, you're still not going to win. When, when times are great, you don't have to have the lowest cost because the government's trying to buy as much of whatever they can get. When times are lean, you have to be the most cost-efficient company in order to win. Yeah, and don't just think 
we're doing well because we still have contracts. And I've had that, I put that in quotes because I had that conversation with somebody. The fact of having business doesn't mean that you're actually good at that business. The fact that you have those contracts now doesn't mean the government can't terminate them next week because the requirement went away. It's okay to be lucky having the right product at the right time. But you also have to be good. And good goes back to what I was talking about at the very beginning. Good means being prepared to take advantage of the circumstances. Be aware of that bar for what's good enough moving up and down. Think about something like the National Basketball Association. There was a time when the National Basketball Association was the only basketball out there. And if you were one of the best players in the world, I don't even know how many players are in the NBA, but they are the best players in the world. There's only so many of them. So to earn a living playing basketball professionally, you had to be really, really exceptional at basketball. But as the popularity of basketball has expanded worldwide, there are leagues all over the world in many different countries where you can earn a living playing professional basketball. The best still go to the NBA where the most money is, but you can still earn just a fine living if you're not quite as good as those guys, but still damn good and better than the average player. Exact same thing in the business world. As the market expands, there's different tiers of opportunity where you may not make a billion dollars, but there's still a lot of money out there. But if basketball stops being popular, suddenly you're back to only being able to actually earn a living in the NBA. Which means the competition for those limited seats increases, well, in some cases, exponentially, depending on how big the contraction was. Exactly. What you just described happens in the government market, too. That's the point of talking about this. Government contractors are not insulated from that business axiom. Right. It's important to understand what cycle is the government market in? Where is it going? Is it going up? Is it going down? And be prepared to ride that slope. As a contracting officer, to me, it seemed that there were lots of companies who were, or maybe lots, there were several companies I can think of who were lucky. My perception was they were lucky and they didn't know it or they didn't admit it. (laughs) And, And it surprised me that these companies had won contracts, right? Because, and the reason is because the market was really hot. However, the flaw is that it caused me to paint with a broad brush and say, you know, well, a lot of these companies are lucky. Well, there's a few of them that were lucky. It made me cynical about the idea that these companies were lucky. Well, there are a few of them were lucky. Most of them were in the right place at the right time. And that's not a bad thing. The reality is that to be at the right time, they were already in the right place. They'd been in business for, you know, in some cases, years, and the right time happened. And so I probably penalized a few of them for <laughs> being lucky. So it may have appeared that contractors just showed up because, hey, you're buying this. I can sell that. But a lot of them have been trudging along, maybe not making as much money, maybe not selling as much for a long time. Then the government's needs change. Suddenly, there's a ton of business for these companies. Being good isn't as as easy as it seems. And when the market's up, when the government market's up, it can be hard to figure out which ones are good and which ones are just just there and lucky. It's when the times get lean that suddenly the good companies shine. Yeah, and from the government side, make sure you reward them for being good and lucky. You know, they're they're successful companies. They they they're managing both sides. Be aware of it because look for the companies that are both. The good news is that when times are lean, some of the bad ones go out of business and leave you with only the better, maybe not the good, but the better ones. Yeah, yeah. From the industry side, being lucky is a good thing. Yeah, be, be, yeah. Basically, what you're saying is embrace your luck. 
you know, I call that your head start, but we're not going to get down that road. Yeah. But you know, be, be embrace your luck and capitalize on it. You know, make sure the government knows that if if the market is hot and on something that you're really good at, target that instead of trying to like, you know, continue to do random stuff that you're okay at. Take advantage of the timing is what I'm trying to say. If you see the government's buying what you sell and you can ride this wave up and you know that you're riding it, you realize that it's going to crest, then take advantage of it. What the error, the tactical error people make is that they don't think that it's going to crest. And, you know, it's very just just like the people that bought a like me, bought a house in 2005. <laughs> me too. Uh-huh. Yeah, I knew it was going to crest. I didn't think it was going to crest like a week after. I, I mean, we literally set the bar in our neighborhood. But that's the whole thing. It's like you, you, you got to make that decision knowing it. And so that's the difference between being lucky and stupid and lucky and good. And so, yeah, from a business perspective is embrace what you're lucky at. Take advantage of it. I want to go back again to why I say I don't necessarily believe in luck, but this fits in right with you're just talking about with capitalize on it. You have to be prepared to take advantage of those exceptional circumstances. Think about applying for a job. How many job requirements say college degree required? If you don't have a college degree, you may have eliminated yourself from consideration for those jobs. You may not even get a call. They may not. They look at the resume, move it on. No degree, no degree, no degree. Same thing in the government market. If you aren't registered in the system for acquisition management, if you're not registered with SAM, if you don't have basic system approvals in place, if you aren't ready to be a government contractor, the the market may be riding high. The government may be throwing money into the wind, but you don't get any of it if you aren't prepared for it. So there's the luck. It doesn't seem lucky then. It seems like you missed it. But the, the companies that are Winning contracts, winning work from the government at those times are the ones that are prepared to capitalize on it. Okay, that's enough of Paul's philosophy. Let's let's wrap this up. The big takeaways for me is this idea of the business cycle, in quotes. It applies to every business, including government contractors. So be aware of where you are in the cycle. And from the government side, the government team's mostly insulated from this cycle, you know, like their, you know, their raises and pay. My, as a contracting officer, my pay band was not dictated by what was going on in the outside world. So don't expect the government folks to be as aware of this. And if you're a government folk, it's okay for people to be lucky. It's even better for them to be lucky and good. You want contractors who are lucky and good. And then on the industry side, it's okay for you to be lucky. That's You want to be. Just don't be oblivious to the circumstances, to the exceptional circumstances that may be happening around you. Make sure you're not oblivious to them. As a harsh example of this, one company that I dealt with went from $60 million in revenue to $25 million in one year because their, their one contract, the government stopped using it. Imagine how many people you have to let go when you lose $35 million Ooh. in revenue. These things happen. And so the business cycle will smack you upside the head if you're not watching it. Well, now, I don't think I can top that. We should probably just wrap it up here. Okay, that's it for today. Talk <laughs> right. to you later. See you, Paul. That's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, help us spread the word. Tell a friend. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. We should really define what we're talking about when, when eh, that's oh, so close to what I meant to say, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs>
not quite. 